The Water Values Podcast is sponsored by the following market-leading companies and organizations. By Intera, Geoscience and Engineering Solutions. By Xylem, Let's Solve Water. By the American Waterworks Association, dedicated to the world's most important resource. By Black & Veatch, Building a World of Difference. And by Ziptility, the only app utility crews need to find, fix, and manage infrastructure assets from the field. This is session 181. Welcome to the Water Values Podcast. This is the podcast dedicated to water utilities, resources, treatment, reuse, and all things water. Now here's your host, Dave McGibson. Hello and welcome to another session of the Water Values Podcast. As my daughter Sarah said, my name is Dave McGimsey and thank you so much for joining me and happy holidays to all of you. Thank you so much for being a dedicated group of subscribers and listeners. I really enjoy it when you email me or contact me or connect with me on LinkedIn. It has been a terrific experience and so thank you all for tuning in. Well, we have another great episode for you today. Uh, on today's episode, Alan Heyman returns. Alan, as uh, you may recall, was at DC Water and then at Blue Drop, where he, that's where he was when he did our last interview with him. Uh, Alan has now evolved again and is currently a coach. And because the first episode that I do in December typically is kind of has a philanthropic or public service kind of bent, uh, I thought Alan would be a perfect person to speak with uh, to just to let us know how coaching can help us in the water sector, especially given that we've ju all just endured 2020 and we probably need someone to talk about that experience with and help, help us plan uh, where we're going in 2021 and beyond. Uh, but before we get to Alan, a little housekeeping, a hearty thank you to our sponsors. Again, those sponsors are Intera, Xylem, the American Waterworks Association, Black and & Veatch, and Ziptility. And I'd like for you to do me a favor. If you work with or for any of these sponsors, please, you know, thank your boss, thank your contact at the sponsor firm, and just let them know that you appreciate their leadership in the industry uh, through the, the podcast sponsorship. You'd be surprised how far that simple little note of thanks can go. And as long as you're letting sponsors know that you appreciate their support of water industry education and thought leadership, why not leave a rating and review on Apple Podcast Stitcher? Castbox or whatever other podcast directory you're accessing the podcast on, it'd be greatly appreciated, and of course helps others find out about the podcast. Now it's time for our feature interview with Alan Heyman, so let's get that water flowing. Well, Alan, welcome back to the Water Values Podcast. So great to have you back on. How you doing? I'm doing well. It's a pleasure to be back here. It's it's been a while, and I'm really looking yeah. forward to catching up with you. Yeah, me too. Me too. Now, you've had some big changes in your life. Can you tell us kind of what's what's new with you? What's going on? Sure. As we're having this conversation, uh, we're coming up on a year anniversary of my having left uh, the water sector again full time, <laughs> and. You know, it seems like I keep coming back one way or the other, right? But uh, Peaceful Direction is the name of my executive and leadership coaching practice. And as of November 1, 2019, uh, it has been my full-time work. Yeah, yeah. So um, how did you make the decision to get into, and maybe I ought to back up here and uh, explain why I'm having you back on a water podcast. And and I think, um, you know, I always do kind of a... Um, uh, 
I wouldn't call it a public service, but I kind of do the nonprofit sector or something that kind of helps in, helps the the water sector from a different angle in the first episode of December. That's kind of why I think you're a great fit because we've all had, we've been living through this pandemic. There's a lot of, a lot of folks that are still working virtually. And I think, um, it's, it'd be good to have kind of your skill set to come on and, and talk about things, especially given your history in the water sector. So with that background, at least from, from why you're, you're on today, uh, can you give us a little, um, thumbnail in terms of how you think coaching can help those of us in the water sector? Sure. I think that we are at a moment where leadership has perhaps never been more important. Uh, the demands on the water sector or pretty much any sector in the economy are, are paramount, and we've been reading about them every day in the news. And the constant that we face every single day is change. We are living in an era of great uncertainty, and as I like to say, it's, it's actually multiple uncertainties layered upon each other. We have political uncertainty. We have uh, health uncertainty, economic uncertainty, racial injustice, et cetera. And it's a very complex time, and our leaders have a lot to do. They always have, but helping their teams navigate this uncertainty, giving them a sense of psychological safety, that we're going to find the path forward together, even though if we don't know exactly what it looks like now, uh, that's the job of a leader. And I've seen so many people uh, step up brilliantly to do that in the last seven months during the course of this pandemic. Uh, and I've seen many, many leaders also not do that. So I know what the difference is, and when I'm working with my clients, these issues come up all the time. How do we show up for our teams? What skills do we need to keep in mind in terms of developing uh, now that many of us are still working remotely for much longer than we anticipated? What does the workplace of the future look like? What are the roles? Uh, what resources will we have at our disposal to create that workplace? All of these are things that come into play every single day. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, can you tell us a little about what exactly coaching is? So, you know, I think a lot of us kind of think, well, you know, you just kind of talk to your guy and he kind of tells you or he or she tells you, you know, you know, wh what you ought to be doing and things like that. But can you, can you give us a little, um, you know, some, some background on what exactly coaching entails? Yes, absolutely. And it is a one-on-one, -on -one, very personalized, uh, leadership development endeavor. And many of the folks that I've, I've spoken with over the years are, are familiar with things that are similar to coaching. So you have consultants who have a solution to a problem and you will hire them and they, they come in and tell you what to do and how to fix it. Uh, you have mentors who will, will guide you in your development and maybe kind of help you down a similar path that they've gone through. Uh, you might have uh, a therapist where you, you talk things out and you lay things out on the table and they will, they will diagnose and they will help guide you to a solution or a remedy or a cure. Coaching is similar to those things, but it's also different. So coaching has as its premise that the necessary ingredients for success are already there within the leader. And the coach's job is to unlock them through inquiry. So I will help you as my client see what your obstacles are. I will help you see around your challenges and figuring out what is within you as maybe a self-limiting belief or behavior versus what is institutional or, or cultural for the place that you find yourself leading. Uh, and together, we come up with a plan to, uh, to grow, to come up with the best you that is possible. Um, I kind of think of it as uh, I'm the co-pilot or the navigator. I'm sitting in the passenger seat next to you. So you set the destination. You decide where we're going to go. And it's my job to use what you have and help you get there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how How is 
uh, coaching, because I envision this as, you know, you, you mentioned the one-on-one, very uh, confidential and personal, and that that implies to me a lot of FaceTime. How, how have you been able to to manage through that with the pandemic and kind of social distancing, things of that nature? Yeah, it's interesting. So, of course, I'm not doing very much in person these days. The reality of the situation was that I was not doing very much in person pre-pandemic anyway. So coaches love to gather with each other. We have coffees, we have conferences. Those have all gone virtual, of course. But in terms of the actual client work, most of what I was doing was by Zoom anyway. Uh, I would have clients in uh, the Far East or in California, different time zones, uh, and that's all virtual work. And even here in the D.C. area where I live, it could take you an hour to travel from one end of the metro area to another. So the time investment just sometimes isn't worthwhile to go see a client person. Once in a while, sure, I would love to be able to do it. Or if I'm, for example, coaching a bunch of leaders in the same organization, it's nice to be able to go into their office and see them all, all one after the other. Uh, which is less possible, uh, but I'm pretty familiar with Zoom. It's a good technology. And as a matter of fact, when I used my first leadership coach back about six years ago, we only ever met by phone. There was no Zoom at the time, from what I remember. And we were still able to do plenty of uh, very life-changing work, despite the fact that she was in North Carolina and I was in D.C. Good deal. So um, uh, you, you mentioned you had a coach a number of years ago. Was that did you have a coach in the water sector, or was that during one of the other breaks from the water sector you were you were in? Yeah, it was. It was during one of my interludes. <laughs> the, um, the commercials, you know, when we were growing up with the guy holding up the electric razor and saying, "I liked it so much, I bought the company." Yep. It's it's kind of that scenario. I had such a positive, transformative experience with my first coach that that's what led me to becoming a coach myself. Yeah. Um, well, so how, how have you seen, I mean, obviously without disclosing, uh, any confidential relationships, how have you seen kind of coaching impact the water sector, uh, in terms of, of the leaders that are, that are there, have they, have they been able to benefit, you know, what, what, what feedback have you gotten from water sector leaders about coaching? Uh, a bit. So I've done a, a small amount of coaching in that space myself, uh, since leaving the DC Water Universe again, and I know that a number of folks on the executive team there were already working. With us. And the, you know, the the feedback is clear. This is something that works. And I know that we are in a moment when budgets are tight, especially when you're talking about municipal water and wastewater utilities. And I know that uh, investing in our people is something that is sometimes seen as as optional or or as uh, an add on. Uh, so my perspective on this as, as having been both the water sector leader and the coach is that it is fairly inexpensive when it comes to various other leadership interventions. So compared to a long training course for, for leaders or managers, uh, or certainly compared to the idea of leader not living up to his or her full potential, it's a, it's a pretty inexpensive thing to do. And it has value. Um, you know, a lot of the value that you bring as the coach is is simply in the act of showing up and bearing witness to whatever the leader is going through. It, it can be lonely in leadership. Um, my, one of my favorite uh, sayings that I run across again and again in, in the leadership development world is that leaders make the weather. So you are responsible for the climate within your organization. And you have the ability quite unintentionally to ruin someone's day pretty easily if you're not careful. You can walk out your office door and just, you know, complain about your day to whoever happens to walk by. And that's, uh, you know, that's an irresponsible act. And most leaders know that. 
But the corollary there is that you do need someone to talk to. You need someone to process with, someone to unload upon at times because it's frustrating, the work that we do. It's, it's hard. And the perspective you get from a coach is somebody who's on your side, somebody who is your ally and advocate, but somebody who's also going to call it like they see it. And if there's inconsistency in your story, if something doesn't add up, if your body language is saying something different from what's coming out of your mouth, the coach's job is to call that out in a way that you're probably not going to get with your subordinates, with your spouse, uh, with members of your family. Yeah, I, I think you're you're right about the the coaching costs money. It, it's a it's kind of a um, it's a soft. It, it's hard to quantify what the value add is, right? And that's why people say, well, if you can't quantify it, then you know you're not. If you can't measure it, then it, it's not worth it. Um, so how, how, how do you justify spending that money to, you know, to a board because budgets are tight, right? We all know that utilities need a ton of capital, uh, operating expenses are, are under stress, especially during the pandemic. What, what is the argument for, uh, if, if you haven't answered it already, what's the argument for using coaching, especially in these, these tight budgetary times we're in? Well, you're absolutely right. So there is the notion that 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 gets measured gets done. And when you're working around engineers uh, whose whose realm is is precision and probabilities and predicting the future and things that are easily measurable, the number of gallons that came into the plant overnight, uh, the amount of overflow during the recent rainstorm, this is a little bit less tangible. And in that sense, it's similar to the work that I used to do as a marketing and communications person and that you can measure certain aspects of an organization's reputation and outreach, but it's, it's, it's a little bit more disconnected from the actual numbers than, than water science. And so, you know, I think the good news is that there is a rising familiarity with the coaching and, and, and the benefits that it brings. It's, it's now a $3 billion industry worldwide. And certainly there's more attention to an investment in coaching in the private sector than there is in public sector, but that's changing too. And there are, vast and long-established coaching programs within and around the federal government that have been gaining a lot of traction and having a lot of impact. So to me, I I almost look at the question the opposite way in the sense that uh, turnover is expensive and having people who are turning over within an organization because uh, there are leadership issues that could be addressed or because people simply decide that they would rather be working somewhere else uh, is costly uh, especially at a time when it's, it's, it's hard to hire people in a virtual environment. That's something we're learning more about. So I ask, what is, what is the cost of executive failure? It is, it is vast. If you have a high-profile vacancy on your executive team, that can last for, for months or even a year or so if you're, if you're looking to find the right person. So if you have something that is immediately applicable, it's accessible, it's not a heavy lift for the client, doesn't cost all that much money compared to some of the other things that you're doing, and it can keep a person grounded and, and stable in their environment and also growing, that's what you want to do. Uh, you do it because it works and because the alternative is is the the cost of not doing it, but also the expense of not doing it. Yeah. I, I think that's a good 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 way to look at it. You know, we we in the legal sector, uh, we, we talk a lot about, you know, the cost to train up an associate. And if that associate leaves and you're, you're just wasting a lot of money. And I think the, the same, it's, you know, the same framework applies to what you're talking about. And, uh, yep. I, I just kind of made that connection. So thank you for, for 
you know, putting the dots out there for me because I, I hadn't seen that before. Um, well, so, so how do you get started with a coach? I mean, what's the, you know, if someone is kind of listening to this and say, you know, that sounds interesting. What's, what, what are the steps to, to get going? Well, uh, certainly I'm happy to help engage in that conversation and brainstorm a little bit. My website is peacefuldirection.com. Uh, but there's a lot of coaches out there and the certifying body that I'm a part of is the international coach federation. So if you're interested in the idea of finding a coach in your sector or in your specific geographic area, there's, there's directories on there that you can look at. And, uh, it is a very individualized thing, as I mentioned at the beginning of the conversation. So what is not hard is to find a qualified coach. You know, you carry an ICF credential, you have a, you come from a certified training program as I have. Uh, the best thing that I like to recommend to any potential new client is to interview two or three possible coaches. And it is all a question of fit. If you have a good feeling from your initial conversation with a coach, which should always be free and no obligation and confidential, by the way, but you come out of that with a good feeling, you feel like I've... I've done some work here. I've shared some elements of myself. I was comfortable. I could see myself talking to this person for, you know, six, eight, 12 hours in a, in a confidential space over the course of time. I, I could envision that for myself for the future. It feels like the right fit. That's your coach. And that will not be the case with everybody that you interview. Different coaches have different styles, different specialties, different levels of presence. Um, and I'm a listener. I like to hang back a little bit, kind of let the client take the lead on the, which way the conversation is going to go. Some coaches are not that way. Some coaches will, will knock you over the head with their presence from the beginning of, of your first interaction. And if, if you need that sort of structure and that sort of engagement, you'll be looking for a coach who kind of brings a different presence than I do. Yeah. Yeah. Are, do you think it's important to, to have a coach that is kind of has some some is steeped or has some background knowledge in in whatever area you're interested in for example the water sector um i mean how how important is is the coach's background to to the person they're coaching i think it helps sometimes but it's not essential so if i'm coaching a leader in the water sector and i have a bit of a sense of you know the mgds and the cso's and the tmdls of the world great we can we can have that sort of shorthand and we can have that uh, conversation without a lot of background. Uh, that being said, what I find in a lot of my sessions with my clients is it's not as important what happened and the key details, but more the meaning that the leader makes out of it. So some leaders take comfort in knowing uh, that their coaches walked a similar path or worked with others who have. And I've got plenty of clients who, for whom that is the case. Also in, in communications, that was, that was my background for 20 plus years before coming into coaching. Coaching a comms person is, is amazing because you're connected instantly and you have shared experience. And the challenge there is for the coach not to substitute his or her judgment for that of the client. So you don't want to lapse into consulting and giving advice because you've walked a similar path. Um, on the flip side, I've had the good fortune to work with clients who have been in industries that have had nothing to do with what I've done for a living. I've worked in you know, high tech and in finance and in other parts of the world, and it's new. It's different. It's exciting. I might have to do a tiny bit of research on a company or an industry just to get a little bit conversant in, in the issues. Um, and there are similarities and tendencies that join leaders all over the place. 
So you're, you're always talking about things like stepping forward and being able to claim credit for the work of you and your team. You're always talking about delegation and time management and the realities of remote working and managing up and interacting with boards. Uh, and it almost doesn't matter what sector the client is coming from because those things are universal. And one of the things that I bring to the table as the coach is, is the pattern spotting uh, and, and bringing that forward and saying, you know, it's interesting because I just heard that last week from a client in another sector. Here's what's going on there, of course, without sharing the confidential details, but more being able to speak to the themes. Yeah, I, I think that's important that, that uh, we get out of our own echo chamber because uh, part of part of the the issue in the water sector is I, I think we all we all talk to each other about you know we need infrastructure we need infrastructure and and it's it's so self-evident to those of us in the water sector that we just assume that when we're talking to someone who's not in the water sector that they have that same frame of reference and i i think uh that is part of the the reason we've had some troubles in the water sector sharing our message um so i i really like that aspect of what you just brought up about having kind of a across discipline almost where, you know, you can bring elements from other sectors to bear when you're, when you're coaching up uh, a water sector leader. For sure. Um, For sure. I've enjoyed being the generalist through most of my career <laughs> and that certainly carries into my coaching too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Alan, you've been, uh, this has been a really interesting session. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, do you have like a leave behind message or anything like that concerning um, uh, coaching and, and w- what you think it can, can offer folks? I mean, is, what, what would you want the listeners to walk away from this interview with? Sure. So as I like to say, leadership is, is hard. It's a journey. It is a place where you never stop growing, even though you are under heavy scrutiny and people expect you to have the answers and to be the strong, you know, purposeful, directed one. So the idea of hiring a coach is to bring on a co-pilot in that journey for a short while or a long while and to know that you don't have to do it by yourself. You can have a strong ally and advocate on your side with this work uh, who will often bring along the perspective of many other leaders uh, to, to be helpful in, in what you're seeking to do. And so I, I do believe that this is a tremendous moment for leadership, not just in the water sector, but in this country and around the world. And people are paying more attention to what leadership is, what it represents and, and how to get there. Uh, so I'm very grateful to be part of, of not just the water sector community, but the coaching community and having the ability to bring those two things together has been uh, not just a lot of fun, but tremendously fulfilling as well. Awesome. Well, Alan, for those who want to find out more about you, more about, more about Peaceful Direction, where can they go to get that information? Sure. My website is peacefuldirection.com. There's a contact form on there as, a way, as well as a way to get on my calendar for an introductory session. I'm also on LinkedIn, Alan Heyman, and then uh, at Alan Heyman on Twitter. You can find me that way as well. Alan, thank you again for coming on. Really appreciate your time and uh, very much appreciate your message. So thanks so much. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for having me. And I look forward to talking again. You bet. Well, terrific interview by Alan. I thought he provided a tremendous amount of perspective and thoughtful responses to my questions. And I'm sure you can all see the value that coaching can bring to water sector leaders. Uh, and I, I, I really believe that water sector leaders would, would benefit from coaching. Well, let me know what you liked about the podcast. You can tweet about the podcast using the hashtag water values. You can tweet at me using my handle at DTM1993. And you can email me at david.mcgimsey at dentons.com. You can also sign up for the newsletter at 
the website, which just Google the Water Values Podcast, click on the Bluefield Research link. Uh, again, Bluefield Research is kind enough to host the podcast for me, even though we are separate entities. Uh, but uh, really appreciate everyone at, at Bluefield helping uh, make sure that the podcast has a web presence as well. Well, thank you again for tuning in and a huge thank you to our sponsors. Again, those sponsors are Interra, Xylem, the American Waterworks Association, Black and & Veatch, and Ziptility. Thank you all for being such terrific sponsors. And of course, to you, the listener, happy holidays and be safe out there. I hope I wish all of you uh, a tremendous and happy and joyous holiday season and just be thankful the 2020 is almost over. Uh, but in all seriousness, please have a wonderful holiday with you and your family and be safe. In closing, please remember to keep the core message of the Water Values Podcast in mind as you go about your daily business. Water is our most valuable resource, so please join me by going out into the world and acting like it. listening to the water values podcast thank you for spending some of your day with my dad and me well thank you for tuning in to the disclaimer i'm a lawyer licensed in indiana and colorado and nothing in this podcast should be taken as providing legal advice or as establishing an attorney client relationship with you or with anyone else additionally nothing in this podcast should be considered a solicitation for professional employment I'm just a lawyer that finds water issues interesting and that believes greater public education is needed about water issues. And that includes enhancing my own education about water issues because no one knows everything about water.